There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and welcome to yet another edition of the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. Uh, wonderful to be back with you again today. You're going to have a great show today. You've got a t- tremendous guest uh, in Derek Arden. We're going to talk about win-win, about how to get a winning result from persuasive negotiations. And before I talk about uh, Derek and introduce you to him, I want to say a huge thank you uh, to my guest last week. The show that I did last week with Judy Robinet uh, was one that I, I will never forget, actually. And, and in studying for that interview with her i got some thoughts and ideas which have already impacted my business in just a week Uh, if you want to uh, learn how the best way is to sort of connect with people uh, how to you know add value to them so they help you and add value to you uh, then uh, you do listen into that show and and do get her book i can assure you um, it is thought-provoking and valuable for anybody who's looking to develop and to grow their business um so i just want to uh, now introduce you to uh, to derek uh, derek arden uh, joined us on the show back in february of 2012 so almost six years ago so it's a tremendous pleasure to have him back on again he's a he's, he's a great guy um, i've known derek now for uh, a number of years and he's the only person who, when I've had on the show, uh, that my mother gave me a call straight afterwards and said that was absolutely brilliant. That guest was superb. So he's obviously got away with the ladies. Um, now, the subject we're going to talk about, uh, which we talked about then, which you know fascinated me that my mum found the idea of negotiation, something that uh, she thought was valuable. But she learned some ideas, I think, for when she was go go shopping and she likes a good deal. Um, but we're going to talk today about negotiation as an essential business skill. Um, and I wonder, do you really know how to do it really, really well? Now, Derek Arden, he's an international keynote conference speaker. He's a facilitator, an MC, a trainer. He's a best-selling author. He's worked in 27 countries with five business schools. He's been a visiting lecturer at the Henley Business School for 12 years. And his latest book, Win Win, How to Get a Winning Result from Persuasive Negotiation, has sold um, over 5,000 copies now in 14 countries. In 2016, he was voted the number one speaker in the UK by the Professional Speaking Association members, uh, of which he was a, a national president. He's been a chairman. And I can honestly say from you know, personal experience with Derek, you know, Derek has given so much uh, to help people with their speaking and uh, the development of their skills. And he's given so much of his time um, not asking anything in return. Um, I, I just think he's a wonder. Uh, the amount of hours he contributed to that association um, to, and to improve it and to get it into you know, a great situation financially and attract new members, I thought was astonishing. So, you know, just full, full respect to uh, to Derek. He was also holds the prestigious Founders Award for the Inspirational Business, uh, for business, inspirational business Speaking uh, so we're going to talk about some simple, straightforward, and, and empowering um, sort of tools to improve your negotiations so you get what you want first time every time. So a huge welcome to Derek Arden. Thanks very much indeed, Chris. Uh, it's absolute pleasure to be here and a pleasure to be back on your show again. Thank you. Yeah, can't believe it's six years, Derek. 
And I can't believe your mum is my biggest fan. No, incredible. You Clearly, the older ladies um, you know, do like you, Derek. Yeah, well, that's fantastic to know. <laughs> Thank you. And I hope your mum's listening this time as well. <laughs> I get a telling off if she is. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah I, it was, um, it was, I still remember that show. It was a really, really good one. And I, one that I repeated. Uh, and I think what you did there is you really summarized uh, negotiation up really well. So you, what you might want to do, you know, after you've listened to this show and you've gained some value from you know, hearing Derek, you might even want to go back in the archive. I think it was about the 20th show in February 2012. And have a listen to that one as well, if you're really into, into this subject. So, Derek, it's been nearly six years. What have you been up to in that time? Well, Chris, I've had a really exciting time. You've talked already about my responsibilities uh, for the, in the Professional Speaking Association, which is the same as the National Speaking Association in the, in the USA. And uh, I was the president and then I became the chairman of the board of directors because the strategy wasn't right. And we decided we need to put a proper structure in for the longevity of the association, which we did. Uh, I've also... Uh, published my 10th book which is win-win uh, how to get a winning result from persuasive negotiations which has published been published all around the world and has just been translated into arabic and chinese which i'm uh, really excited about and i put all my street smarts into their uh, stories and they published it in a way that's easily readable it's not a long academic uh, business school type of uh, university textbook it's a user-friendly book so uh, uh, I'm over the moon about that and it's got me lots of uh, various uh, speaking engagements and Chris I have to tell you I'm quite uh, I'm quite big in Bulgaria of all places how about that you know and most people wouldn't know even know where Bulgaria is but so I'm big in Bulgaria so it's been great fun so imagining the sort of red carpet coming out for you when you arrive on the tarmac it's a bit like Beatlemania is that when you absolutely. go absolutely it's fantastic <laughs> brilliant so tell me um tell me a little bit you, you, why did you choose to write another book on negotiation because you've written about the subject before well all my books have been self-published before and i had decided in 2011 when i published uh, power negotiating that i wasn't going to write any more books i'm really a speaker a trainer a coach an mc not really a writer. Then I was um, I was approached by Pearson. I was approached by Pearson, the educational publishers, via LinkedIn. I was quite surprised. They'd already uh, sussed me out on LinkedIn. They'd already drilled down, looked at all my social media, my website, my blog, my Twitter feed, and everything else, and decided that if someone was going to write a book, I was their man. Now, what surprised me about that is people think they're in a position to. Uh, negotiate by just uh, putting a proposal together but they had hadn't even asked for a proposal they just drilled down found me and then said do you want to write a book for us there's not much money in it you'll get a royal small royalty um, but we like your material and you're clearly an acknowledged expert that's what we want uh, so that really surprised me and it shows how the whole social media game has changed. So our LinkedIn profiles, first impressions are key in negotiations. And the key in that is uh, on social media, you've got to have really look really good and professional on your LinkedIn, on your blog, on your YouTube channel, etc. Even if you're running a small business like I am. So that was the first key learning point that was really new to me in 2014. That's really, really fascinating that. And I, I don't know if you found it, Derek, I found I don't know what it is, but I'm finding now people 
you know, are using LinkedIn much more to connect in that way. I've got a got a meeting on Wednesday, which came from a, a you know a LinkedIn approach by uh, somebody you know, interesting my services uh, on Monday, and I was you know, quite surprised to get that. But I was also surprised that I'd gone and filtered some of my emails because I get so many and put them into a, a LinkedIn box, and I'd not looked at it for a couple of weeks, and there was sort of twenty four uh, requests to add on with various messages, and, uh, and and I just suddenly thought, crikey, I'm missing. Something, something's happened. It just, just happened. I don't know what it is. Yeah, well, I, I'm just saying very, very quickly, I went and uh, met the senior editor because I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it because it's so time-consuming. Yes, and uh, I said to her, you know, did you really find me just on LinkedIn? And she said, yes, like she was talking to her, uh, you know, she was like a school teacher talking to her kids, bearing in mind I was a lot older than her. And, and then I said, well, how many other people are you talking to? And she said, just you. You know, we can use the net and social media to suss out who we want. And as long as they're sensible people when we meet them, then job's done. Don't have time for messing about. So, yeah, big, big message there for all the listeners and big message for me. And people are astounded when I tell that story. Well, I think the, the thing about you, Derek, is that you, you know, since, since I've known you, your subject has been negotiation. And you know, you've... Uh, You've focused on it. You've spoken about it. You've written about it. You've spoke again about it. And you, you know, uh, for me, if I think of you, I think of you as the negotiation expert. And I just wonder if you know, if you're having, you know, followed that niche like you have now for a number of years. You've built up a lot of credibility in that space. You, to me, you're a natural person to come to. Yeah, no, that does appear to be. I mean, I like the motivational and inspirational things, but when you're known for something and you're an expert on it, in 2018, that's what you've got to stick to. You've got to stick to what people know you about and your knitting and build your USPs, uh, your unique selling points all around that because they're the things that help you negotiate your price. People want experts, niche experts, to help them. Yes, and... Uh, uh Yes, I imagine uh, you were just talking about a small royalty. I, I don't think uh, it's very easy to negotiate with publishing houses these days from what I've experienced. <laughs> she actually said to me, Chris, you won't, earn any, you won't earn any money out of this, so you need to know that first, and therefore you need to know, have it clear in your own mind what the motivation for doing it is. So they gave me a small advance, which I haven't repaid yet, because the royalties on an Amazon-sold book um, are minimal, minimal. So, so, so I think they say uh, we're, we're, we're probably now um, probably a couple of years since ours was, ours was published, and I think we'll probably you know get into the into the royalty stage from the advance uh, in this this time in the third year. And apparently, it's it's good if you make it in the third year now. I think so. I mean, I'll share mine with the listeners because I think pricing is always important. I mean, it, my book is sold for twelve pound ninety nine, which is probably on Amazon now. Amazon discount it apparently by. Amazon get a discount of 58% from the publishers so they can price it how they like and I get 10% of the net sale price. Mm. So, you know, it's about 50p, isn't it? Or 60p. Or it's not even a dollar. I think that's a bit, bit more than I get on mine. So that's you've done oh, okay. I must, I must negotiation, have well. negotiation worked. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, would you like me to run through my negotiating system just for three to three minutes? That would be really helpful, uh, absolutely. I think that would be, be great. I'll do it really quickly, if that's all right for the listeners, um, because it's all in the book, and then you can ask me some questions uh, after our uh, interval. Um, so the system's based into 12 parts. 
Uh, and the first one is preparation, because preparation is so important when you're negotiating. Proper preparation prevents pretty poor performance. But the preparation you need to do is to decide what the best price, target price, and walk-away price is that you want to achieve, where your walk-away price is. And at the same time, decide if you do walk away, what's the alternative position? Now, Harvard call that a BATNA. And what I mean by an alternative position is the same as them, but it's a little bit more straightforward in that uh, if you do walk away, what are you going to do with the time, the money that you've saved, etc.? And um, what are you going to do with those overhead costs you've got? Are you going to go out marketing? Are you going to write another book? Are you going to make a video? Are you going to do some stuff on YouTube? Are you just going to call on clients and remind them who you are rather than doing something at a, a rock bottom price. Your best price is your dream position, your target price is where you expect to be and your walk away is where you think uh, you want to leave the table. And I'd recommend a, a, a soft walk away and a hard walk away. A hard walk away is that's it, never going to do business with you again. A soft walk away is uh, that's it, for t that's the best I can do today. And of course listening skills is really important and the key word there is today because you might change your mind when you wake up in the morning, we all get these flashes of inspiration overnight. So really doing preparation. Number two is first impressions. The first impressions are really important. People form their impressions if they want to do business with you straight away. Where you sit, how you buy the coffee, produce the coffee, the water, make people feel good even if you don't like them. Uh, soften them up with that key first impressions. People forget that. Number three is asking really high quality questions, which are usually open, very short. Well, how much do you expect to pay? Oh, how can we resolve this issue? What are the key points here? Very short and sharp. And then number four is listening, really listening to what their answer is, how they're listening, how they're answering it uh, with the body language. Number five is a little bit esoteric. It's uh, brainstorming, mind mapping, getting all the issues out, thinking outside the box, finding other ways of solving uh, the problem as uh, a win-win. Uh, and number six is reading body language because body language is five times more difficult to lie with the body language than it is with the words according to all sorts of uh, studies. So if people aren't telling you the truth or spinning it a bit or fake news or whatever, you need to be able to pick this up. To, so you can make good decisions. Uh, number seven is uh, lying. You need to be able to spot when people are actually uh, telling you fibs, not telling you the truth. And uh, Pinocchio's nose grew every time he told a lie. Of course, you'll never see a politician like our Prime Minister or Donald Trump uh, scratching their nose because they're too clever at that if they are spinning it. But uh, we as professional negotiators or amateur negotiators need to pick up uh, when people aren't telling us the truth. That will make us make better business decisions. Number eight is strategies and tactics. Uh, again, people play negotiating tactics to get you down to your walkaway position quicker than you wanted to get to. So it's to put you under pressure. So understanding those tactics, I've listed 35 tactics in the book, um, is, is really important. Linked to that is the work of Robert Giordini from Influence, Science and Practice and the six weapons of influence or traits of influence that he calls, which are uh, liking, reciprocity, authority, social proof, uh, commitment and uh, uh, are very, very important. That leaves us three just before the uh, just just before the. Uh, Break. Number 10 is bargaining, haggling. If I do this for you, what will you do for me? Number 11 is handling conflict because people forget there's going to be always conflict in a negotiation. And how you handle that as the leader 
is really important. And Chris, number 12 is confidence because uh, if you've done those things, you're going to be in a position to be confident. If you haven't gone through the system in, in most parts, then you're not going to be entitled to feel confident. So that's the negotiating success system um, that I've developed. Brilliant. No, that makes a huge amount of logical sense. So when we come back after the break, what we'll do is we'll, as you, you suggested there, Derek, let's talk about some of those uh, key steps in that uh, in that system that you've uh, developed. And uh, let's uh, help people just understand that they're sort of key elements uh, a little bit better. So uh, do join us again um, after the break. We'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Derek Arden, and we're talking about, about win-win and about how to get a winning result from persuasive negotiation. And Derek, um, we're going to talk about some of the steps that you shared very eloquently before the break. And I just want to ask a question before that, though, in that this system that you've developed, um, is it applicable to every negotiation or is it um, you know, certain scales of negotiation that we should uh, consider being you know, as thorough and really learning in these steps and working through them? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the system is for really pretty large-scale negotiations or ones that are really important to you under Pareto's law, the 80-20 rule. I mean, if you were going to go and negotiate in a shop like uh, 
like your mum does, then perhaps we would, you know, just do a bit of preparation, spot the key person and then go in and say it's between this item and that item. What can you do to help me build rapport, have a nice first impression and then do then do the haggle. You need confidence to do that, but, you know, you'd shortcut that. But even with a personal negotiation, you want to use three, four or five of the steps, Chris. Yeah, and the, th- the first one is really is uh, is about thinking it through, isn't it? And yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that time we say if you don't don't uh, you know you don't um, prepare, then you you don't plan. You you're going to plan to fail. Um, so it's a really important step, particularly if the negotiation is is a significant one. And you know, just like you, I used to I used to be, be involved myself in in big negotiations. Um, the one I remember when I was involved with with Manchester United, so quite quite significant um, amounts of money and things on the table. And that preparation um, bit is really important. It can really get you unstuck if you get it wrong, can't it? So how do you how do you you talked there about Batner um, and sort of best position target walk away? Just share a little bit more about that because I think it's fundamental to be thinking through those different aspects. Well, number one is what do you want to achieve from the negotiation? So you need to be absolutely clear in your own thinking here. What do I want to achieve and why do I want to achieve it? Is it a one-off transaction or is it a relationship negotiation where I want ongoing business? Uh, and that's really important to, to the first thing. Secondly is what's the market price, what are other people paying for it, etc. Is it like an Apple computer where you kind of got a niche or is it just a transactional type of uh, computer, etc. So, you know, have you got uh, serious USPs? Um, What what have you achieved before and uh, what do you think you can achieve? Which brings you on to thinking about what's the best position, my dream position, my target position and my walk away position linked to my batner or my alternative position by the way batner stands for best alternative to a negotiated agreement i could never get my head around what harvard meant by that a lot of people understand it and a lot of people in britain have never heard of it so you know what's the alternative if i don't do this deal what am i going to do with the resources so it's clear to have those in mind and uh on most of my master classes, pe- people haven't heard of these things and they're not rocket science, it's common sense, but uh, it's having some sort of process rather than just going into the negotiations. Uh, thinking you're a business person, you can negotiate so it's going to be all right, uh, rather than sitting down and mind mapping and putting it down on paper, that which is no substitute for and seeing what's missing. And then I always sleep on it overnight if it's important. Um, there's one interesting study a few years ago, Chris, which said uh, professional negotiators spend up to 20 times more preparing than uh, average negotiators. And I think that's probably about right. That makes you, well, I guess you could say the same thing with professional speakers, couldn't you? I think so. Yeah, no, I think you'd probably say that. Anything, couldn't you? Anything that's, in, that's important. Uh, people that are successful prepare, as you said, prepare to uh, uh, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. And, and do, do you, in that um, step there, do you consider, you know, where the power may sit? Because you, we we talked about that example with a publisher, and mm. you know, the publisher generally has the power, uh, particularly if you're you know, keen to have your book published. Uh, is that something that you would consider within that? Because it yeah. can impact uh, uh, the negotiation. Uh, 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, that's all when you sort of look at the marketplace and you see, well, you know, uh, do book publishers make a lot of money? No, they don't. Uh, is people Are people getting out of book publishing? Yes, they are. So uh, you're never going to get rich publishing a book, but you could get rich from the talks and the speeches and the tours that you can do off the back of it and the marketing you can do off of it so they're kind of intangibles which could be hugely valuable to you even though the cash flow from the royalties on the book are next to nothing and therefore that needs thinking through carefully with a bit of the old left and right brain unconscious mind uh, um, things that uh, we, we study in, a, in, other, in other ways so that's really important and, and also the other business that you might get People will often say, oh, give me a much lower price. I'm sure I'll get you other business. And when they say that, you've got to really suss it out. You know, what's the chances of getting other business? So that that's all in that preparation stage. Yeah. Yeah. Makes a huge amount of sense. Uh, and um, where, where you, you, the, the next thing you do is you want to create this impression. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you talked about a first impression in what ways can you create an impression what do you need to consider well how you dress for a start how you come across because if you want to get to your best position you don't want to turn up in an old pair of jeans and a and a t-shirt and some people in uh, you know people in social media and advertising often do that and I, I sort of squirm a bit even if you're going to dress casually for heaven's sake dress casually with a smart branded jumper on and things like that and get out a decent pen um, not necessarily a Mont Blanc but not a chewed up biro stolen from a hotel and people do these things uh, in the UK I know they do them less in other places around the world so uh, that kind of impression you need to create an impression that you're expensive uh, and if if it's incongruent then uh, that's that's a problem so yeah, uh, and therefore where you sit, sit around the table, don't uh, sit across the table, which causes conflict and little things like that and, and spend a little bit of time building rapport, understanding the other person. If you're going to negotiate in a different country, understand their culture, understand their traditions. Yeah, I, there was a story about a, a guy going to Japan and he tossed his business card across the desk at the Japanese guy. Well, that's one of the biggest insults you could ever do. And it's ridiculous that he didn't know that. And you hear these crazy stories. So do your research, find out about the impressions you need to make and connect with the person. Because if they like you, then they're likely to buy off you. People like people like themselves. And uh, people don't buy from people they don't like. Therefore, they won't be influenced in a negotiation so easily from people they don't like. And do you think do you think uh, you should be maybe you know aim to be you know one step above the person that you're negotiating with in terms of the way you dress your pen your approach should you or should you try and match them Well I think ideally you should try and match them the rules in speaking are you should kind of be slightly one step above shouldn't you because you're the authority speaking from the platform but if you want to win-win it would be best to be equal but of course I would generally go dressed in a suit and um, I'd make a judgment whether I wore a tie in 2018 but I can always whip my tie off I can always take my jacket off I can always roll my sleeves up can't I, I can always dress down pretty quick which I would do if they were dressed down but you can't dress up if you've called it wrong mm. I went to see the uh, directors at Body Shop once when I was in banking and I dressed down because I'd heard they dressed down and they were so shocked to see a banker dressed down they didn't take me seriously. I never made that mistake again because the image of a banker was uh, dressed up with a white shirt and a tie and a smart suit on. 
So that was a that was an error. Ah, so that's interesting, isn't it? And, and I, I guess within you, know, you should think about if, if you if you're going and seeing somebody in a round of negotiation, maybe how professional they might be. I remember talking. We had a guest on the show who was an entertainment. Uh, lawyer dealt with big movies in fact he'd been a movie actor in his childhood and he was talking about negotiations in hollywood you know and and the tactics that they adopt you know their chair higher than the people they're negotiating with and the whole system was very machiavellian and uh uh, and really really well thought through so i think you probably need to give some thought to maybe how how professional negotiation um the negotiator the other team is because i I think also in that situation it's maybe not about (laughs) win-win Uh, no, it's not. That's win-lose. I mean, when you're intimidating people, that's a negotiating tactic to get them down to their walk-away position. You know, there's, sto- there's all sorts of stories, and I've been involved in stories where, you know, they. Uh, I was in a meeting uh, which went on till midnight, and they wouldn't bring any food in until they got agreement. You can't eat until you've got agreement. And we thought they were joking, and, but they weren't joking. They took a call, which obviously a stage call uh, from New York, saying that they had had uh, a better offer from another bank, and... Uh, um, the bank I work for better sharpen up its price, and we were kind of we, didn't, we weren't quite sure whether they were playing games or they or, or they weren't. But they afterwards, when we reflected on it, they were. You know, maybe we should have walked out after uh, they wouldn't give us any food until we'd done the deal. But um, we didn't because the deal was very important to us. Um, with hindsight, maybe we should have done. Uh, you never know. You have to sort of judge the situation. Um, at the time I mean I made a little video clip Chris uh, of an actor playing 20 dirty negotiation tactics on me in two and a half minutes uh, with a business school about 10 years ago and uh, you know that was the big chair the small chair the intimidation you looking a bit pale you're feeling all right stood up walked around the back of me tapped me on the shoulder and invaded my space told me that if I didn't sign now they'd never another never get any more business so it was a great fun it was great fun (laughs) so what are some of the you know if we're kind of clear in terms of what we want from it we've thought it through uh we're we're we're, we're smart appropriately dressed we've uh uh, we've thought about this this thoroughly i guess in this sort of planning stage we have to probably think about questions so what what great questions do you think are, are really worth asking that you found have really helped get to where you want to get to and uh, how do you use listening uh, around the, your questioning okay really important question in listening and uh, you need to prepare your questions in advance there's no doubt about that people think they can wing questions they can't so in your classy notebook that you're going to take with you your a4 notebook you've got all your questions there because you're never quite going to know which way the negotiation is going to go so you've got to play it by ear but you need your preparation so you need your list of questions and in fact there's 10 pages of questions in win-win and I doubled the size from one book to the other because they are so important but most questions are open and they're short and you shut up after you've asked them so um, what are you prepared to pay so if they say if they say to you yeah what you know your price is too expensive you might say well how expensive um, we've got a better offer from another client. Um, how much is that offer? And stop, like I'm, I'm pausing. Now, most people don't have the nerve to do that, and that's where the experience, the preparation comes in. 
you have to ask the questions back because you don't know if they're bluffing. There's a bit of poker going on here and then you listen very carefully to the answers and you need somebody with you, which is what we haven't touched on, Chris, because when you're under a pressure situation, let's not kid ourselves. You'll be a bit stressed. You'll be up for it. Your blood pressure will be up. You won't be focusing necessarily on exactly what they're saying and the body language. So you want somebody with you that's unengaged, watching, observing, so you can take a time out uh, go out the room for a couple of minutes and say, what do you think? How much do we need to reduce that price? Now, I guarantee that if you take somebody with you and when you're put under pressure to reduce your price, you take a, take a time out, you go out the room, you consider what's taking place with somebody else who's emotionally uh, disengaged, you won't reduce your price as much as you would have done if you wanted that deal and you were there on your own. And I'll make that guarantee to your listeners. And they can email me with any examples that um, happens there, and I'll gladly answer it. Um, yeah, just, I remember the, the situation where um, I, I was in negotiating around um, a licensing deal on a, a, a some confectionery, and uh, a, and we were being charged um, a, a fee, I think it was about £400,000 by this other party. And I asked them, you know, how did they derive at our fee? And I kept very quiet and they were started to shuffle and get a bit uncomfortable. And what it, what it transpired was they, they, we, we, were, we were actually paying more than anybody else, um, but they felt that uh, we could afford it. Um, and that's where it, where it came from. And they were just about to change their tune and offer something else when the brand manager couldn't who was sitting with me couldn't cope with the pain of it. And suddenly he said, well, of course, we're not going to change the negotiation at this stage. Uh, just because he couldn't cope with that silence. Um, and I think that, you know, impacted us by maybe £200,000 wow. in the deal. Sensational. Uh, and uh, I gave him a big telling off afterwards. But uh, you, know, that, you have to be able to cope with that silence sometimes, don't you, and let the other party talk. Yeah, silence is a negotiating tactic, actually. And when you've asked a really high-quality question, then you've got to shut up. And uh, I use the question mark method in my own brain. You know, when you ask a question like, uh, so how much are you prepared to pay? In my mind, there's a question mark as I've asked that question. And that tells me, Derek, you shut up at this point. And uh, in I've come across, um, I've come across uh, examples where people have sat in silence uh, for four and a half hours and looked at each other after they've asked uh, the questions. That's pretty ridiculous. And uh, when I was teaching at Henley uh, Business School, some guy came up to me and said I was in some um, uh, union negotiations and we sat there and looked at each other for nine hours. No one said anything apart from going to the toilet. Uh, and I said to him, as you do sometimes, I, you know, I don't believe you. And he got really upset with me. Is that absolutely true? And I was there, Derek. You know, I wouldn't tell you that if it wasn't true. I'm like, okay. Okay. Um, Listening is very important at that case Chris and uh, the two examples I usually give are when people say well my normal price is and I often say that well my normal price is x to see what reaction I get and that's my normal price is that best price I talked about and I want to see how much they flinch moan groan what they say after that because what they say after that's very important so if they said well we've never paid anybody that much before that probably means I've got to come down in my price a bit if I want to do if I want to do the deal. Um, and sometimes I might say, well, you know, they say, well, we haven't got that in the budget. I might say, well, you know, for my product, if you can confirm you've never paid anybody more than what you're offering me, then perhaps I'll think about it and see if there's 
something I can do. Maybe I can fit you in on a Monday or a Friday when I'm not so busy or in August or, you know, something like that. That's powerful. We've got a couple of minutes till commercial break. But we, I want to talk, oh, two minutes. I want to talk about body language okay. uh, quickly. You know, what, um, what cues can we take to, to understand whether people are telling us the truth or not? Well, politicians are coached and coached and coached never to fidget, rub their noses, rub their faces. Hands and face gestures are uh, basically deceit gestures, nervousness, touching and things like that. That's why a politician would probably keep their hands on the desk or, or like some of our uh, some of our uh, more vocal politicians all around the world use their hands, but never hand to face. So any hand to face things, think about the question you ask them, think about what they're doing and then think about how whether, how truthful that might have been and then follow it up with some more questions. Folded arms is defensive, obviously they're not being persuaded by you. Open hands is a buying signal and influencing signal, um, etc. So, you know, they're, they're, they're the real basic ones. The human brain is a good lie detector. Um, but when we're under pressure and we want something, we tend to ignore signals, which is why it's really important to have somebody with you watching that body language, getting the gut feel, because intuition and gut feel is really important in this, because that's the micro signals that uh, you might see. Yeah, I think that's something really worthwhile you know, to taking away, or a lot worthwhile taking away, but um, considering is if you are uh, doing a significant negotiation, that you know, the point you make about having someone else in there with you to be... To observe and uh, and observe the other person and the situation. That's really powerful because you're right. If you really want something badly and you're there, it's in a critical moment. There's an opportunity, and um, you could uh, give you know far too much away. And yeah, you know, and good salespeople are good at closing sales, aren't they? You know, they'll say, well, you know, you've got to make your mind up today. Uh, we've only got one left, and all those kind of. Um, uh, lies and fibs which are never true but if you want it you, you're going to buy it that's why they always say sale ends at five o'clock if you, you're going to miss out um etc those those sort of influencing tactics so really important body language and picking up the signals you're never going to get it 100 percent right but the thing is it's going to make you know it's going to take you from 50 50 decision to 70 30 decision or an 80 20 decision which is a huge benefit yeah so we'll talk about some um, uh, best strategies and tactics um, after the break. We'll also talk about conflict and how do you deal with that when that happens. So do join us again in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Derek Carden. We're talking about win-win. We're talking about negotiation. And I know Derek's got so much to share. I'm going to ask him, get straight into it now and uh, ask him a question, uh, which I know is going to have multiple answers. So, uh, Derek, I want to ask you, um, if we think about sort of strategies and tactics, maybe what's, uh, what are sort of six, seven key tactics that you've noticed that you think people should be aware of? Okay, Chris, first thing is to understand, everyone must understand a tactic is used to weaken your, uh, your power, to make you think you're in a less powerful position and drag you down to your walk away position um, quickly. So, um, so that's what they're designed to do. They're all psychological and you need to understand them. Most people don't always understand there's a tactic being played on you out of a business school or out of a book or whatever. Number one uh, and number two is higher authority linked to good guy bad guy so um, let me give you an example of that so um, clearly if you're talking to the client you want to be the good guy and therefore you want to blame the people upstairs the board the committee the association the directors or whatever and if you are a director or even you're the managing director you can say things like well I delegate that to my team you wouldn't want me to take that delegation away it's more than we were expecting to pay so I'll just have to talk to them what can you do to sharpen your price uh, to help me get it past them it's always a committee it's never your boss it's if I was working for you it's never Chris Cooper because they're going to get Chris Cooper in I want to talk to him if he's the decision maker so and you can always use it so I sometimes use it I say well I work for myself I have my own business my wife's a partner um, but you know at that price she's going to go crazy if I agree to that so I couldn't possibly agree to that what can you do to help me so you want to be the good guy the bad guy, if you like, is the committee, the association or whatever, and that's the higher authority that you're referring to. Average negotiators think it's a weakness to use higher authority. Professional negotiators like us know that you use higher authority to get the, keep the price fair. Now, some people say to me, well, you know, if we read all these books and everyone's using higher authority, uh, you know, it's a game. No, they don't know it's a game. People don't know it's a game. It's like people say, well, if everybody understands body language, uh, no, everybody doesn't understand body language. So they're the first two tactics. The third third tactic is time. 80% of the concessions come in the last 20% of the negotiation time. It's the old Pareto 80-20 rule again, which is why time is uh, really 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 important so uh, be careful you're not time pressured sale ends at five o'clock is a typical time pressure we must have a deal we must have an answer by three o'clock be careful of that because that's where the concessions uh, 
come into it. In number four is taking a take, taking a time out, taking a break. Because when you are emotionally involved in something, you can't think straight. So sleeping on it, that's why we say let's sleep on it before we make a decision, which is always a great thing to do. Or taking a five-minute time out with your part, business partner to think it through. Or um, just taking a walk around the block on your own. Uh, timeouts have three benefits. Number one, it gives you some thinking time. Number two, it de-emotionalizes an emotional um, situation and number three it gives the other side some thinking time not uh, you know they don't think it they're getting it all their own way number five is flinching so they put the price on the table and you go that was a bit more expensive than we were expecting to pay um you're too young to remember this but some of the listeners might remember that khrushchev banged the table at the united nations with his shoe in the united nations nuclear disarmament uh, negotiations khrushchev the russian president when they played the uh the, the, the tape back for the 10th time they noticed that the um his aide passed a shoe and Khrushchev never took his shoes off and of course uh, showing the soles of your feet or banging your shoe on the table is a bit one of the biggest insults you can give in half the world so again that was that was a tactic but you know just simply you know big intake of breath scratch your head etc and my last tactic I, I would mention is the Columbo tactic the dumb is smart you remember Peter Falk the actor in the Columbo series where he used to say just 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 can't get my brain around this there's one or two things I don't understand here uh, could you run that past me again because if people are spinning things or fibbing lying or whatever we want to call it then you want to hear them say it again because it's more difficult for them to say it a second, <laughs> yeah. and, it, and if you don't understand something, then y you know it, you need to keep things simple, you need to understand it. And if people are spinning it, then uh, get to the bottom of it, as I say, get the drains up and see what's uh, underneath the drains causing that smell that you shouldn't uh, get involved in. Right. So, they're, they're my six favorite tactics, and then of course, there's the bullying tactics and the uh, screaming and ranting. And uh, I was working with a client a month ago. And they told me that um, the other client had thrown an A4 binder across the table at them, full of papers. <sighs> said, luckily, they ducked. And it was another one of those things. I said, they didn't really, did they? He said, he said yes, they did. Um, but you're, you're helping us, Derek, realize that when we're dealing with people like that, we need to deal with them in a different way. We need to keep calm. We need to take timeouts. We need to challenge them on their behavior. Because be if people are behaving like that, it's suspect. Gee, I've been reading uh, about uh, Ferguson th from throwing um, throwing his boot at um, David Beckham. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and I mean, um, Alex Ferguson, uh, you know, the greatest football manager ever. I hate to say it as an Arsenal supporter, but uh, uh, you know, he used to use hard and soft tactics. He used to suss people out in different ways, didn't he? And being a great judge of character on which tactic you used on each person and of course relationship negotiations is just the same whether it's with the kids whether it's your mum dad uh, wife partner or whatever uh, again sometimes taking a time out before you uh, say something you might regret for the next 10 years is really uh, really useful can save you a lot of trouble yeah absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so um, we were just done to talk about conflict there weren't we yeah. so you yeah. know con conflict is 
it is a strategy that some people use, some, certainly some personality types. Uh, how, 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 you know, how do you deal with it if someone throws a binder over your head or suddenly seems to get, out, seems to get angry and, or frustrated with you and you suddenly start to feel that actually you, you, know, you maybe caused this? And... Yeah, you, you need to disassociate yourself from it. Uh, and that means you need to be prepared for it and you need to expect it. It's better to have somebody with you for a bit of moral support there again. We keep coming we keep coming back to that. But recognising that people have different conflict styles and there's a great conflict management uh, psychology, psychometric test, which is dead simple to do, called the Thomas Kelman Conflict Mode Instrument. I use it with my clients. I use it with people who can't stand up to other people. And basically, you, you answer 30 questions and it tells you whether you're a competitor, collaborator, a compromiser, an avoider or an accommodator. And they're the five sorts of strategies that people go into. Alpha male and alpha female generally will be competitors or collaborators. And therefore, more people that negotiate are more likely to be in that more aggressive I want to win stage. So if you sort of recognize that, that's really helpful. Now, if you've got people in your team who are avoiders or accommodators, which is less assertive, then you maybe need to dis disassociate them from the negotiations because generally those sort of people are more likely to get pushed down to their walk away position and intimidated by the psychology of the tactics uh, much quicker. So it's a good um, it's a good instrument to look at, and I refer to it in uh, Chapter 11 in Win-Win uh, in because it's really, really important. Um, yeah, and you mustn't get intimidated by this chap that chucks the binder at you and things like that. And then it's best to say, hey, I think we need a sort of five-minute break. I wouldn't say you need to cool down, pal, which some people might, which will only antagonize the situation. You know, just take a break. Uh, let's think this through. And then make a statement like, uh, "You do want, we do want to get a win-win here, don't we? Mm -hmm. Which uh, your, your listeners will recognize as a, uh, yeah, as a statement followed by a yes tag question. Uh, yeah. So you do want a win-win here, don't you? And then watch the body language and you'll see whether they do want a win-win or they just want to win. So, yeah, and there will be conflict. So um, when I'm running my masterclasses, pe some people are surprised there'll be conflict and they're usually the accommodators or the avoiders. So you have to learn to create a bit of conflict and accept a bit of conflict to get a good deal, particularly when you're with someone who's a, a competitor, a bully, off-the-scale bully, etc. Mm. used to get in their own way so you talked about that the, the tool was it thomas kelman was it kelman yeah it's thomas kilman k-i-l-m-a-n-n uh conflict mode instrument and if you google tki it was done at an american business school in the 70s and it stood the test of the time i've used it on about three thousand clients over the last 10 or 12 years uh you don't have to be qualified to do it you do have to be linked to the uh uh, psychological press where you can buy them they're quite expensive you can do it online it's hugely effective so I was coaching a lady who couldn't stand up to the chief executive of a company and her boss wanted to stand up to it so we did the test she was a voider of an avoider of conflict and then we went through some strategies to make her more assertive uh, very carefully and I was scratching my head 
not knowing what to do with her until I suddenly thought we need to do the instrument, we need to look at it. She needs to see that she fits into this mode and therefore she needs to just gently raise her assertiveness, not in an aggressive way, but in a way of, um, in a softer, gentler way in rapport. But, you know, saying, well, we can't do this. It won't work. The business case isn't strong enough. We need to get some other issues in here. So, you know, using that persuasion and influencing in that, in that way. And it worked. And it worked. And three years later, she had a much, much better score, which I did as an experiment with her just to see where she was. And it made a difference. And she bought some more assertive clothes and things like that back to the first impressions. So she felt more confident. Well, we, all, we all need to do that sometimes. We do. I'm just interested. Uh, we, we're talking here about face-to-face negotiation. We've only got actually a couple of minutes left okay. now, now, Derek. But I just wonder... You know, negotiation. We sometimes do that over email or telephone as well. Uh, any tips on handling yeah, that sort of scenario? A couple of hotspots in my book on that. On email negotiations, just be very careful because the 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 understanding of the email is in the hands of the person that receives it, and it depends. Different times of day, people are in different moods. It depends on the mood, the frame of mind they're in, and the state. So be really careful with emails and how you write them and still build a bit of rapport. I don't know why people sort of shout instructions on on emails, avoid capitals read and all that obvious stuff, which sometimes isn't obvious. If you get what I call a toxic email, the uh, most effective thing is to ring the person up straight away. So you get an aggressive email, which gets you a bit mad and all you want to do is file, buy one back. Don't do that. Call them and just say, I just got your email, Chris. I'm curious where you're coming from and shut up. So that's uh, that's emails. Did you ask me about telephone? I can't remember. Yeah, um, yeah, we've got about 30 seconds. <laughs> okay, same on the telephone. Listen very carefully, build rapport, play back some of their language, the NLP stuff, um, and uh, listen very carefully, uh, etc. The phone's got to be better than the email. Pick up the phone if you've got a bit of an issue. Um, people don't like the phone anymore for some crazy reason. They like to hide behind emails. Yeah. Well, Derek, I always enjoyed talking with you and uh, always enjoy our exchanges. So, you know, big, big thank you. Um, but I just want to ask you, you know, briefly, uh, whether you've got a final message that you'd like to leave with us with today. The final message is always ask. Prepare your questions carefully, Chris. Always ask. Push the envelope a bit. Don't accept the uh, the first offer. Um, but make sure it's a win-win. Make sure it's a win-win at the end of the day. Fantastic. Derek, been an absolute pleasure once again. Thank you so much for joining us and hopefully we won't make it quite so long next time. Chris, it's a great pleasure. Thank you for inviting me and good luck to all your readers with their professional listeners with mm-hmm. all their professional uh, negotiations. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And find out more about Derek Arden, go to www.derek arden.co.uk and arden is with an e a r d e n .co.uk um i think some you know there's a lot of books out there that people write and uh, and often they um are, you know it's coming out of opinion derek's book win win you know you already heard he has written nine books before that book was published it's full of ex, you know experience um wisdom 
on how to negotiate. Uh, he's been there. He's done it. So it's a book you should have on your bookshelf if you negotiate. So you can go to Amazon and get hold of that. On next week's show, we have um, another friend um, from the speaking profession, Peter Milligan. He's a, a real expert when it comes to coaching. We're going to talk about transformational coaching, about coaching your people, coaching yourself. Uh, what's the you know latest news and the, the thinking around how to coach uh, really effectively to uh, uh, help people to really realize their potential and improve their performance. Once again, a huge thank you to Derek Hard and wish you all well. Any questions, thoughts, comments, do send them to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.